0: Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different and recognise some exceptional researchers here in the UK. I'm speaking today to Dr. Sarah Bailey from the University of Exeter and Dr. Ben Brown from the University of Manchester, who are this year's winners of the Royal College of GPs and Society for Academic Primary Care Early Career Researcher Award. This award, which has a long history of recognizing up and coming superstars of primary care research, recognizes the contribution of early career researchers to advancing primary care theory and practice. So congratulations to both of you. What an amazing achievement. And you both must be really thrilled about achieving this recognition. Thank you. I'll come to you first, Ben, just to talk a bit about your research. And um, perhaps you could just spend a little bit of time talking us through. Um, I was looking at your profile on the University of Manchester website, and it looks like you've been building a programme of work towards digital intervention Artificial intelligence and machine learning, but tell us a bit more about your research and what work you've been doing that's contributed towards this award. You've got some examples on your website, I think, about uh, online consultation models and how those are used in practice.
1: Yes, that's the one that's taking up most of my time at the moment. So we've we've built um, an online consultation system which. Um, As hopefully many of the listeners will know, and if they don't know what they are, they're essentially ways for patients to contact their GP practice online, as as the name suggests. So instead of having to ring up the practice and, um, you know, stay, get stuck in a telephone queue and speak to a receptionist, they can log on to the practice website, they can fill out a form and that comes through to the GP practice. Uh, one of the draw so so one of the things with online consultations is that they the idea is that they increase accessibility makes it easier for the patient to contact the GP practice. Um, uh, but what that can mean is that often as a GP practice you'll get lots of these consultate these forms coming in and you won't know which are urgent, which aren't urgent, which maybe need to go straight through and see a GP, which could be dealt with by a nurse or perhaps by a pharmacist elsewhere. So what we've been doing is is building a machine learning um, system that's built into this online consultation system that is able to essentially triage and signpost patients Um, uh, as soon as they submit a request uh, to their practice so it's helping to you know uh, reduce workload on the practice and and make it safer for patients as well.
0: I was just going to say it seems like it fits in quite well with a lot of the current strategies even at a sort of very top level from the NHS in terms of streamlining and triaging and improving workload for primary care.
1: Well, it certainly aims to and it's definitely there's, you know, there's there's been this policy over the last few years about a digital first primary care, um, you know, and and whatever that means in various, uh, uh, you know, various interpretations. But yeah, I think and and at the moment, there's also obviously a lot of interest in AI and how that can be used. But there's also a lot of confusion around what AI is in in the true sense of the word and how it can be used in clinical practice. There's lots of research around you know, traditionally around building AI models or machine learning models. And you'll get lots of nice papers that say we can predict, uh, I don't know, hospital admission um, within 90 days within a particular, you know, in a particular patient group. Um, But then nothing will necessarily happen with that model. It will just get published, left on the shelf. No one will do anything with it. And what's really interesting and what really needs to happen is taking those AI models, putting them into software that can be used in practice and studying the effects of that software on patient care and outcomes and workload and everything. And that's hopefully what what I'm trying to do at the moment.
0: Seems like a really interesting area of research. I'm going to move to Sarah. Sarah, we know each other from working here in Exeter and your work on the early detection of cancer has had a big impact on clinical guidance. Tell us about a few of your key papers in this area.
2: Yes, I think the Probably the first was um, a paper published from my PhD in 2017 on the link between raised platelet count or thrombocytosis and um, future cancer diagnosis. So in that paper, we found that about 11% of men and 6% of women aged 40 and over with um, new thrombocytosis were diagnosed with some kind of cancer within a year. So that might sound like a fairly, fairly small percent, but I would imagine that most of your listeners will know that that's actually not the case. It's quite a significant proportion. So I've been sort of working away in this area ever since trying to um, understand the relationship a bit better and figure out how we can make best use of it in a clinical setting. And um, it's now incorporated into guidance in the UK and abroad, which has been fantastic
0: yeah and your work on raised platelet counts as a risk marker of undiagnosed cancer was actually the top rated paper in the bjgp in 2017 so it's really exciting it
2: was, yeah, yeah there's been an awful lot of support from the bjgp over the years which has been really lovely
0: and ben i just wanted to come back to you and ask if you have a key paper or a few key research outputs alongside the software you've been developing that you wanted to talk through
1: leading on from the kind of um the online consultation space that the project that we've just been talking about we actually published a um systematic review looking at all the evidence on online consultation systems um, in primary care so so that's kind of the most relevant to the project we've just been discussing i guess what we found with that was what i guess a lot of the listeners and people who use online consultations will will recognize so we found that there were um, so there's obviously some benefits to to using them, particularly around improving access, improving speed, in some cases reducing workload in in GP uh, for GP practices. But at the same time, there were there were some drawbacks as well. So in addition, um, so it's both for pra- uh, practices and patients. And it, what was interesting was that we saw that sometimes how the design of the system itself had quite a significant impact you can think of online consultation systems having kind of two broad designs in terms of the forms so one set of um one type of design is where the patient has to answer lots of multiple choice questions before the form can be submitted to the uh, practice and and that form will go through lots of ask them all about lots of different symptoms so do you have chest pain yes or no how is your do you have shortness of breath yes or no and then broadly the other type of design is you know the the ability for the patient to write in their own words using free text to describe their symptoms um there are some that use a hybrid um and take a bit of both but broadly they're kind of split into those two camps and what we found was what the researchers found actually the ones that use the multiple choice questions although they um they can actually increase the workload on the patient because they have quite a lot of stuff to get through but also it can increase the workload on the practice because they have to read through all of them and they don't necessarily provide a lot of um, useful information as well so they ask a lot of superfluous questions.
0: Yeah I think um, a lot of patients and clinicians will probably uh, relate to those lengthy questionnaires which start essentially with are you bleeding uncontrollably? (laughs) Are you breathing? Are you still alive? And um, is a source of much frustration to patients and clinicians alike. Um, So Sarah, we've talked a bit about your research around uh, thrombocytosis, but what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment in terms of cancer diagnostics or your future plans?
2: Uh, Well, in terms of the platelet work, we're actually um, developing something at the moment with age and sex stratified guidance for an upper normal limit of platelet count, working really closely with local NHS teams and cancer alliances to try and sort of find a way to make better use of this in a way that works for patients and for the healthcare system. Obviously, there are a lot of really unique challenges generally, but specifically at the moment in um, in primary care and um, in in cancer services in the UK. So that's a sort of ongoing project at the moment. Then I've got a few other things across different subject areas, um, a, a bit of work on um, fit and colorectal in younger adults, um, a little programme on genetic risk and um, genetic risk scores and how that might those could potentially integrate into current um, like pathways in primary care and making referral decisions. And then another sort of area on chronic health conditions and how that affects cancer risk and presentation. And if it might be, well, I'm not sure yet, but if it it might be a good idea or not to develop some specific guidance for patients with selected long-term health conditions and symptoms that could be suggestive of cancer.
0: And I think one of the key things coming out of your research, um, and I think the citation level of that paper that we discussed from 2017, is that actually the message is getting out there to primary care practitioners, that Mm. if your patient has raised platelets, you should probably be thinking about what the cause of that might be. And I I know just from my own practice that people are starting to consider, you know, should we be working this patient up for uh, a diagnostic strategy to look for specific cancers, especially upper GI, for instance. So it's definitely translating to practice.
2: It's one of the most common questions I get when I talk about my research in clinical audiences um because it's you know it's a very non-specific finding there can be many other causes and in fact the the work we're doing at the moment is developing some more specific guidance on not only when should you act but when is it okay not to act like when is it that there's a likely non-malignant cause of that finding and you don't need to order any further tests or make a referral um so we had a, a student jan clark a few years ago who published a great paper in the BJGP, about um, non- non-malignant causes of thrombocytosis, so trying to integrate some of her findings into the recommendations.
0: Really interesting stuff. And Ben, wh- what's next for you? What are your plans sort of going ahead?
1: No, so, I mean, specifically on the online consultation um, project, we've got these um, different AI modules that are being used across the country and, and what we know from those studies are that they do perform well in terms of the accuracy of the of the models. Um, but what we don't know as I kind of alluded to before is what's the impact on patient care So for example, one of the the models that we have um, flags urgent or emergency requests to the GP practice as soon as they're submitted and of course the idea of that is that they get seen sooner rather than the ones that aren't flagged. Um, And so what we're doing now is we've got a, and that takes a certain um, type of study design to do, and it's more longitudinal than um, simply measuring accuracy of the model. So we're kind of setting that up at the moment. um, And yeah, we're going to see what kind of impact these models have on patient outcomes and kind of workload rather than just simply focusing on, on accuracy. Yeah. We're we're looking at some other things um, as well around, automating kind of the the administrative workload in the uh, for the GP practice and also what we know from um, some of the online consultation work is that some patients don't and and we all know this as well from our own anecdotal experience but some patients um, you know the, the, the online consultation systems are not for you know they're not meant for them it's difficult for them to use so are there other ways that they can contact the practice as well so we're looking at some other stuff around that as well in terms of automated phone lines and things like that so I think there's lots of exciting things that we could we could be looking into
0: yeah so some really practical things that could help uh, practices with their managing of of the workload of these uh, different online consultation systems so really interesting there and Sarah I know you we've discussed this uh, about how you actually get considered for this award and it's a nomination process a self-nomination is that correct
2: Yes, that's right, um, which I would not have considered, except that somebody in my department suggested that I consider applying. Um, and I think without that, I just wouldn't have thought thought to do it. So if um, as I say don't, you know, do consider yourself for, for this award, do you consider applying, even if, you know, you're not sure it's something that you should just go for it, just do it. Um, And if you know somebody who you think is suitable, suggest it to them, because if we're all doing that, then that will also um, boost people's confidence a little bit and encourage them to apply
0: it's been really interesting hearing about both of your research and congratulations again it's an amazing achievement and very well deserved and it sounds like both of you are working in incredibly relevant and interesting research areas and um, i'm sure we'll hear much more from both of you in the very soon future but thanks very much for joining me here today thank you very much thanks thanks for having me. Me. and thank you all very much for listening to this bjgp podcast If you'd like to hear more about Ben and Sarah's work, they're hopefully going to be at the winner's enclosure at the RCGP annual conference in Glasgow in October, and the SAPC annual conference in Brighton, which is just around the corner over the 19th and 20th of July. Looking forward to hearing much more in the future from both Ben and Sarah's research. Thanks again, and bye!